proclaim this tonight if you know it's true. Oh, sing Jesus reigns. Cause Jesus reigns in this place. Showers of mercy and grace. Oh, on every face. There is freedom. Come on, proclaim that all over this house tonight. Everything you have. Just thank God for his presence in this place tonight. Strip away everything. Everything that's not of you. Strip it away. Take away, God, all the doubt. All the doubt, God. Bring us in line to your thinking, Jesus. Give us your heart tonight, God. Give us your mind tonight, Jesus. Get us to a new level, Father. New level. New level where you are. New level where you are. Sing freedom rights. Because freedom reigns in this place. Showers of mercy and grace. It's all over this place tonight, God. You're all over this room tonight, God. Just begin to tell me loving all over this house tonight.
Just stay in this atmosphere of praise for a minute of worship. And I was there and I, I just had this revelation. It's not new. I'm leery of these people that have these new revelations that I can't find any foundation for. So when Paul and Silas were in the prison, they began to praise like we were tonight. And I love Monday nights because everybody here wants to be here. They know Sunday morning I got to go to church people. The biggest miracles happen on Monday and Tuesday nights, I found out. When they began to praise, it said the foundation of the prison they were in began to shake. Not the bars, not the doors, the foundation. See, we've been taught that when we praise and it's a true teaching, our praise goes up and it's an aroma. But I want you to know your praise goes up to magnify the Lord, but your praise goes down to destroy the works of Satan. And as soon as they began to praise, the foundations began to crack and the doors and the walls fell. And the righteous and the unrighteous, the apostles and the non-apostles, they were all set free. See, that doesn't seem fair. should have just been the praisers. Now, there might be somebody on your road that doesn't have your faith. And as you praise, your praise can be going over there and shaking the foundation of that drug addiction, can be shaking the foundation of that doubt and unbelief. And freedom reigns in this place. There's no need to have a halfway free church or a two-third gospel church or a halfway healed church. Let's be like one of them poker players in Vegas and go all in, baby. I'm all in for Jesus. I believe we can all be healed in this place. We can all be blessed in this place because we all serve the same God. Yes. So let's sing that part again. Freedom reigns in this place. And I want you to picture your praise destroying any foundation of bondage that the enemies build around you. Brick by brick. Let's sing it one more time. Freedom reigns in this place. I mean, sing it as loud as you can sing. Let's go one more time. Come on, put your hands to heaven tonight. Set the tone for your miracle. Set the tone for your faith. arthritis very bad right now that arthritis is rescinding from your bones and your joints right now that freedom is coming into your skeletal structure and the blood of Jesus is washing you clean and healed tonight for by his stripes by his stripes by his stripes we are healed Jesus reigns in this place that unforgiveness 
unforgivable sin. He's washing that sin away from you right now. on your heart. He reigns in this place. Healing, deliverance. Touching you right now. All guilt, unforgiveness, bitterness, doubt, unbelief. Let it go. The Bible says to lay aside every weight. You can't run a race weighted down doubt, unbelief, the sin that you ever present before you. Man, I can't believe I did that. How will I ever get forgiveness? See, the enemy came to Eve to change her confession, to question the word of God. He didn't show up with horns and a pitchfork breathing fire. I'm Lucifer. He came and said, did God really say that you shouldn't eat it? See, when the enemy comes, he'll try to get in your mind. Did God really say you should be healed? Does the Bible say you should really tithe? Does it say? He'll come to change God's word in your heart so that you'll begin to speak the wrong word out of your mouth. Read the story of how Satan got into Eve. Did God really say that? Do not let the enemy alter God's word. I have a simple saying, put the word on it. When it comes to your fight, put the word on it. Your marriage, put the word on it. Your physical infirmity, put the word on it. If you put the word on it, the enemy cannot stand against it. Because heaven and earth will pass away, but his word shall remain. Come on now. It's indestructible, undeniable. Come on, you can't do anything. If the adversary comes, you can't do anything with the word of God. How did Jesus defeat Satan? He put the word on it. It is written. In other words, he confessed the word. So if Jesus did it, I'm going to do it too. Amen. I want you to do something as you're seated. The Bible says if any two would touch and agree concerning anything, it should be done. Okay? Do we believe it? I want you to think of something you're believing for right now. I don't care how small, how big. That's irrelevant to God. You're a mountain mover, not a mountain climber. The size of the mountain means nothing. If you're a mover, you're a mover. Religion will tell you to climb the mountain. God will tell you to move the mountain. They'll hand out hiking gear, oxygen mask, roll. you got to suffer through it. God will tell you, look at it, speak to it, and move it. If any two will touch and agree, I want you to just shake hands with somebody and say, I touch and agree for your answer. It's that quick. If any two should touch and agree, it is done. Salvation of a lost loved one. You might have a tumor that needs heal. You touch and agree, and it's done. You can be seated tonight. Thank you, guys. Amen. 
Amen. Bishop, can you hand me my bottle of water in case I, I need it? To, I got it right here. I'll run down here. Thank you, sir. Don't you have a wonderful pastor, Bishop Brian Matthews? Just a... Him and his wife, Renee, are, are just wonderful. We've been friends for a long time and then didn't see each other for a number of years. And God brought us back together. And uh, myself and Apostle Kevin Millfield that come are good friends. And uh, actually, what we're doing tonight, the first time I did it was at Kevin Millfield's church when we were televising something. And it worked so well. I said, man, I'm going to steal that. And uh, it's awesome. But you have a great pastor. He was at our church two weeks ago at the point. And I'm going to tell you, he messed that place up in a good way. I mean, you are blessed with a prince of preachers. And I, I hope you know the gift of God that you have because I travel. And I'm going to tell you something. I, I've run into some preachers that they couldn't get out of a wet paper bag. You, you know, and, and so you, you have an awesome gift. So honor that gift and, and that man of God and follow him as he follows Christ. It's just that simple. And if he's not following Christ, you're going to know it and everybody will know it. Not just because one or two say, oh, oh, something wrong. If the man ain't following Christ, there's going to be all 500 people know it right away. So follow him with the vision God has given him and run with the vision. This is a season to run. A no-fail season, as he's been preaching. David asked the Lord, should we go get the enemy? In the, and the Lord said, go and you shall recover all without fail. We don't have to be failures in life. Well, tonight what we're going to do, um, uh, I'll stand up to start because it's even hard for me to sit down. <laughs> Y'all know me. I was Red Bull before they invented Red Bull. You know, we grew up, we drank Mountain Dew and stuff like that to get a little rush. You know, I'll go get a Mountain Dew. And that, that's, the most, uh, that's the most powerful drink to get you going and all that. But uh, tonight, what we're going to do, you know, I preached yesterday morning. And then uh, Minister Marvin taught last night on the power of the seed. What is in the seed? The seed possesses everything it needs for itself and to produce others of its own kind. And then tomorrow night, I'm going to be preaching a powerful message. I'm not going to teach tomorrow. I'm going to preach, find the thief. Everybody shout, find the thief. It's going to be a 30-minute, five-hour energy faith injection sermon because then we're going to pray for all this and pray for all the sick. But if you can't find the thief, you're never going to destroy the thief. So we got to locate the thief in our life, and then we got to take the thief out and quit getting robbed. Come on, somebody say amen. But tonight, as we're going to be traveling around the country and up and down the East Coast, the Lord laid on my heart on Monday night. To do this, we've done it at my church several times and, and did it with uh, uh, Kevin Millfield at his, is to take time to sit down, relax, and just share the word of God. Because we're so into, who he preached. Whoa, my man, he preached. That's what they say about me. They say, and then sometimes I ask people, well, what did I preach? Well, I don't know, but you were sweating it. But they, they don't know anything you preach. And then, Bishop, I've heard some people Thank God I'm friends with people like Bishop Matthews and Apostle Millfield and Marvin, myself, people that can actually preach. They, they, they got some meat on the bone. But I've been with some other preachers. They don't say nothing. They got a few phrases and a few reader digest points, and they get shouting. They got a good rhyme and a poem and a good illustrated video. And at the end of the day, I'm like, man, people, oh, he preached, he preached, wall glory. And then what, what did he say? I don't even remember nothing. Anybody ever been there? Come on, somebody took you through the valley, up on the mountain, back down. I was down, and I got up, and whoa. I mean, you don't even have to be anointed to say stuff like that. 
Everybody's been down, needs a big back up, so you can just do that. And so we did that uh, yesterday morning. I'm going to preach tomorrow night. But tonight, uh, Marvin Melton, if you would, he's going to join me on the platform. And what we're going to do tonight is we're just going to talk about faith. Because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we're believing God for miracles. We're believing God for great things. So the way to get that is we've got to hear the word of God. Put the word on it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so the Lord asked me, and it's different from my personality. It's more like Minister Melton. He's calm. I mean, he's big and bad, played college football, played in the Arena Football League and all that. He's, he's all that, but he's a lot more mellow than me. And so when the Lord began to lay on my heart to do this, I was like, oh, man, that is so not me. And the Lord said, that's good because you've been relying on your own abilities too long. Yeah. And so when I came in tonight, I was a little nervous, you know, because this ain't my church. And it's like, oh, what are they going to do with somebody sitting down on the stage? And there is such an atmosphere of faith in this house tonight. And I was up there telling Bishop, I was like, man, there is a strong spirit in this house tonight. And so all we're going to do is just open the word of God. And we're just going to share. And if you want to share something, this is a 3D service. Usually services are 2D. We preach, you listen, we leave. 3D is I'm talking, he's talking, you're talking. And we're going to build our faith because Jesus said, be it unto you according to your faith. So if you're believing for something, you must have faith. My faith does not work for you. My faith can cover my children, but now that my son's getting 20, he's got to establish his own faith. Come on. And so we each need to have, and, and Romans said we all have a measure of faith. Romans 12, 3, I believe. And we, every man has been dealt the measure of faith. I want you to touch your neighbor and say, I have faith, and tonight I'm going to build my faith. All right, so what I'm going to do is, could you give me just a skosh more volume? Um, I had a couple throat surgeries and all, so uh, it really helps me out. Um, I'm going to start and just read a scripture, and then we got some notes, and we talked and prayed in the Holy Ghost, and uh, we just got some things, and we're just going to share the Word of God and see what happens. And then tomorrow night, we want you to bring as many sick, wheelchairs, missing limbs, any of that. That doesn't bother me. I don't look down the line. Oh, no, there's a wheelchair down there. That doesn't faze me. Okay, because it's not the pressure is not on you and I to do it. The pressure uh, is on you and I to believe it. The, all things are possible, not to those who work hard enough, pray long enough or do that. all things are possible to those who what? So we have put pressure on ourselves for so long to make it happen. The pressure on us is to believe it can happen. Mm. All right. First Thessalonians 5.23, and I'm just going to read a scripture, and you'll say, what's it have to do with faith? We'll, we'll look at it in a minute. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Everybody say complete. Now, write in your Bible there, Colossians 2.10, right out beside there, because the Colossians 2.10 says, I am complete in him, the head of all principality and all power. So if you're complete in the one that is the head of it all, you are lacking nothing. You are not incomplete. So he wants us to be completed people and may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blaming blameless at the coming of the Lord. Now, the spirit, God has control of that. That's perfect. The body, you and I have to work on that. And we exercise today and we were talking, you know, down there in the workout room. Uh, the Bible says bodily exercise profits little, but you do need to do some. A little profits better than no profit. 
But the soul is something that's totally where you and I work with God on the situation. Because the Bible said we got to renew our mind in the word of God. We know the word and Jesus from Sunday morning are one and the same. So the mind is where the battle is when it comes to faith. The principles of faith can be taught, but the spirit of faith is caught. You got to be able to catch it to step out on it. Amen. You got any thoughts, uh, Marvin? Well, first of all, I mean, when you when you look at the soul, you, you, the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. That's the the part of you that is the soul. So as we you know let the let Jesus take over our soul and we renew our soul, we renew our mind, we renew our will, we renew our emotions with the Word of God, then He's able to take that soul and make it more in line with the spiritual aspect of what he's already done in the spirit. So when we get saved, our brain doesn't just change right away with our spirit. No, not at all. No. When, 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 when you saved, got saved, did your mind just stop thinking negative thoughts because right. you got saved? Yeah, when we get saved, our spirit is, is connected. The Holy Spirit comes in us, and we're now connected with the spirit of God. So our spirit is online. But our soul, our mind, our will, and emotions... We've, we've trained our mind, we've trained our will and our emotions with 23 years, 33 years, 70 years, 80 years of garbage. And now we have to renew it so that we can get it in line with the word of God. So we can, so we can think higher and do higher. And is that in the Bible? Yes, it is. Romans 12, one and two, (laughs) right? So nothing we're saying not in the Bible. We got to renew. How many have ever had trouble with your brain? Now, now let's look at this because in my church, you know, we're faith point. So we better be faith at our church. We're the point of faith, faith point. And I can go out in the foyer and hear people saying the stupidest stuff. That's correct. Well, flu season's coming. Better go get the shot. Now, if you had this, I'm not saying that that's you, between you, that's your thing. I'm not taking a virus into my body. I, I don't need to have the blood of Jesus. Right. I've been on 55 trips around the world, been in the jungles of many nations. And the, the Department of Health in my city has almost banned me from going because I've never taken one pill and I've never taken one shot for uh, malaria, uh, diphtheria, the yellow fever, anything. Because I figure if I'm going in the name of the Lord, John G. Lake did it. Dr. Lester Sumrall, the man that trained me, did it, and they didn't have to have shot. Why do I need to take a virus into me to destroy the virus when I've already taken in the blood of Jesus? That, but that, see, that's my mind. It's been renewed to that level. That is correct. And, 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 and being that his mind is renewed to that level, he will be able to stand in faith based on his renewed mind. Everybody that goes on the trip, I let them take their shot. Say, just because I'm not, you, if, you're, if you're not there, take them. Right. So, I mean, we're not expecting you to stand on Pastor Randall's faith. We're not expecting you. You have to, to read the word of God and build your faith. Yeah. I can't live off of somebody else's faith. No. You know, I can't. I, I can't uh, if the Lord told me to do something, you know, and I said, okay, I heard you, Lord. I do it and get blessed. Well, Pastor Randall can't look at me and say, well, well, Marvin did it, so let me do it. No, no, the Lord told me to do it. So it might be, it'll be successful for me because I've heard and I put my faith on it and I do it. Now with Pastor Randall, the Lord didn't tell him to do it. Right. So he can't look at me and say, well, he did it. 
and try to base his faith on what the Lord told me. And that, that, that's in the Bible too, right? That is the sons of Sceva. Come on. They tried to do what they saw others do because the others that had been empowered had the faith to do it. And they went in there and in the name of Paul and the name of this one, they didn't have the name of Jesus. They just tried to do what they saw somebody else do. And they got the snot tore up out of them. So much so that grown men ran down the street naked. Because the enemy overpowered them. So I am very cautious that just because I do something, that doesn't mean somebody else has to do it. Or just because I saw Kenneth Copeland do it, that doesn't mean I'm going to do it because that's him and I'm me. I live off my faith, not his faith. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. And so we all have to establish and build our measure of faith. Now let's debunk another uh, wrong theology. The mustard seed is not the measure of faith. The mustard seed is an example of how little of the measure of faith it takes to do something big. The measure of faith is this, God. That's right. Have the faith of God, Mark eleven twenty two. So the measure of faith is huge. Jesus used the illustration that it only takes this much of the fullness of the measure of faith to do something significant in this world. You don't have to have two suitcases full of faith. You don't have to have a double barrel shotgun of faith. All you got to do is just come up with just faith is so powerful. All you need is a little bit. Like it's like radiation are 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 separating the atom, the neutron, electron, and proton. You take one little particle, and bam. We live near Lake Anna, and we were talking about it on the way up. The nuclear reactors are there. It's a man-made lake, hundreds of acres, and the one side of the lake stays between 85 and 96 degrees. And in those reactors is a little bit of radiation, a little bit of nuclear power, and it is so hot that it can keep in the dead of January... Billions of gallons of water outside at 90 degrees. It only took that little. Our faith doesn't have to be as big and bad as some people are telling you traveling around this. You got to have all that. All I need is this much to get started. So little you might not even see the faith I'm talking about. Mm, You got got anything, Mark? The beautiful thing about it is, you know, God... Like he said earlier, God has given each one of us a measure of faith and how he just stated that it only takes us a mustard seed size, a size of faith to do what he is called you to do. Now, the beauty of the fact that he refers it to the mustard seed is that you, you, you take that seed side of faith and you what you put it in the ground and you let it grow. So you, you, you don't as you grow as a Christian. You don't just keep the mustard side of, uh, size seed of faith. You put it in the ground and you let that faith grow. So as your faith begins to grow, then you begin to do bigger and mightier things. And that mustard seed produces the biggest tree. We put the picture up uh, in our church, how big that little seed, that mustard tree, birds can live in it, the Bible says. They nest, they have provision. So your faith might start little, but when you plant it, it goes big quick. (laughs) That's That's right. Because now, 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 I wrote, wrote a few things down, uh, Marvin. The, the Bible says, "Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks." Now, going back to hearing stupid things in church. <laughs> Come you, you, on now. now. I have an example of that. Yeah, you go right ahead. No, 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 a no. long time ago, I used to say 
uh, good grief. <laughs> okay? And I said it all the time. And it like got grief to the point, is good. <laughs> it got to the point where um, I didn't even know I was saying it. And my wife, praise God for her, she jumped on me. And she was like, why are you saying that? Because grief is not good. And Melinda's right here. She, she's like that. <laughs> and I got to thinking, I was like, yeah, you're right. So I said, okay, okay, sweetheart, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop saying it. Next thing I know, I'm having a conversation. And she comes over and says, you just said it. So you got to renew and, your mind. And I said, I did? You know, I was saying it, and my mind didn't even know I was saying it. Because I've been so trained to say it. I've said it so many times that I was just speaking it and didn't even know it. I, I thank God for her that she was able to tell me when I was saying it. So I really had to watch what I was saying. And life and death is where? In the power of the tongue. See, we'll say, oh, God took them home or, or Satan took them. Life and death isn't residing in heaven or hell. Life and death is residing in your tongue, the Bible says. Well, God took them home. Now, let's debate that theology. The only two people I've seen God take home in the Bible were Enoch and Elijah. They were and they were not. Nobody else died to get them home. I think Rich Mullins or somebody, his son was killed. And everybody was saying, oh, God needed another angel. When you die, you do not become an angel. Angels are created different from us. You get a new body. Come on now. Amen. You don't get wings. That's a bad theology. And back to that car wreck and, and, and that guy, I can't remember which great singer. He got up on TBN and he said, I thank you for all your cards, but God did not come and take my son. He wouldn't have taken three other lives to get my son. Three other teenagers died for the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. Not my God. Thank God he set them straight. Right. The only two I saw in the Bible that were Enoch, they were and they were not. God just caught them up and they were. So if God wants you, he's going to catch you up and it ain't going to kill 50 people to get you. Now we'll say, I, we were talking faith and I went by my sound and media thing is right in front of my office and we had just talked about faith. And I walk in there and I talked to one of the people back there and they said to me, this flu's going to be the death of me. And I said, what in God's name? I just preached on faith and you're saying something like that and you're running my microphone or something. What, you stop? But we'll say that, well, you know, flu season's coming. Well, how about healing season's coming? Joy season's coming. Amen. 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 Well, we'll say all this stuff. I, I, I'm losing my mind. Don't life and death are in the power of the tongue. You don't have to, you don't have to start saying, where am I? Oh, I'm just, that's just the old brain I got. No. Do you know age does not have any hindrance to the healing power of God? When you get old, that doesn't mean healing don't work for you anymore. When you get old, that doesn't mean First Timothy having a sound mind don't work for you anymore. But life and death is in your mouth. The Bible, oh, I feel like standing up, but I said I would sit. The Bible said, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. I'm not messing around when it comes to sickness. The Bible said, if you touch and agree on anything, you can touch and agree with your sickness or you can touch and agree with your healing. It'll work either way. Can, can, I, can, I, read, can I read something real quick? Yeah, you read, read, uh, read away. Uh, James read away. 3, ver, uh, starting at 2, uh, verse 2, it says, For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. 
Indeed, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us. We turn their whole body. Look at also at the ships. Although they are also so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever their pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. In other words, mm. Mm. you have this big ship that is stir, uh, steered by this little rudder. You have a little, a huge forest fire that starts with a little kindling. Your mouth Rumors, is the gossip. rudder and the kindling. So if you want no fire in your life and you want to direct the ship where you want it to go, you have got to, you've got to steer your life with your mouth, with the words of your mouth. That's how you steer your ship in the direction you want it to go. Now, people are talk. oh, you're one of them positive people. Well, yes. <laughs> I'm sure not one of them negative people. The Bible says in Romans that this is the word of faith that we preach. That is the word of faith that is in our mouth mm-hmm. that we preach. That's right. I'm not preaching doubt and unbelief. I'm not preaching God loves you one day, hates you the next day, forgave you one day, won't forgive you the next day. I am a positive person. Why? Because Christ is in me. The old man has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Glory be to God. There's nothing to be negative about. That's right. And Paul said, even if I do get sick, I went through battles. Y'all heard about those that I'll bless God then because if I haven't felt him touch me at any other time, at least in my infirmity, he's bound by contract to touch me. So even in I'm sickness, I know God's going to touch me me so i'll even glorify in that because i'm going to be touched now that's a positive man and he had been beat three times with the 39 stripes you all saw the passion of the christ paul went through that three times 39 stripes he was beat and when he had no skin left on his body they didn't have uh, oxycontin they didn't have antibiotics when they ripped him up it would take months to heal and then he got in trouble they did it again and when there was no skin left to rip they took rods and they beat him and broke every bone from his waist up so when he came to preach about faith he wasn't coming in a Bentley and in a private jet renting the whole floor of a hotel he was coming in the just shall live by faith and they looked at him and said my God if he can make it I can make it that's right that's right that's right see faith doesn't keep you from adversity faith sustains you to overpower it faith doesn't deny the diagnosis faith defies the prognosis I didn't I didn't deny what the doctor said I had in my body but I decided to defy it faith will make you an overcomer yeah, it'll declare the outcome in the middle of the defeat. <laughs> Paul was an overcomer. Even though he went through all that, he overcame. Yep. He overcame. Now, we, none of us in here is going to, you know, has to go through that. He fought, finished, and kept the... <laughs> he kept the faith. I mean, none of us are going to go through what Paul went through. I mean, that, that, that was brutal. But we still have to overcome. We still have to overcome the fight that we have to overcome. And with our mouths, that is going to be the start point of our overcoming. Because we can't believe God uh, that this is the situation and we're believing God for this. But yet on the same side, I'm over here talking death and doubt and, and, and unbelief. It, ain't, it, it doesn't mix. You've got to speak the faith that you're believing God for. 
doesn't mean you're denying anything. You're just declaring the outcome in the middle of the battle. That's right. You're, you're speaking by faith. Remember, we walk by faith, not by sight. I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not speaking what I see in the natural. I'm speaking what I see in the spirit. So that's why I can look at a mountain and say mountain go because I'm going to be a mountain mover, not a mountain climber because I could only climb two or three mountains and I'd be wore out. Come on, somebody. Let's be real about it. Well, how many more battles? So Jesus came and transferred to us a greater and a better covenant, the Bible says. We are not in the old covenant where you had to do all that battle and do this for the Lord and he would do that. Jesus came to give us a new and a better covenant glory based on new and better promises. And then he said all the promises are yes and amen to those who believe so our job is to believe now go 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 ahead ahead. and with that better covenant i have to say jesus said that by his stripes every one of us are healed by his stripes now he's already taken the stripes it's done so the healing is already done now when you are battling with a germ or a virus you're not sick because Jesus said, by his stripes, you were healed. You're still healed. Yeah. You may be battling a germ or a sickness or a cancer, but you're not sick. You're still healed. Because Jesus said, you, he's already paved the way to healing. He's already set the standard. You're healed. The enemy is trying to put cancer on you or, or cancers on you or sicknesses on you to make you try to, uh, to, try to convince you that you're not healed. Yeah. But bottom line is, you're healed. Bottom line. So if you stand on the word of God and declare what is already, that has already taken place, which is your healing, then, you're not, then you can declare, look, whatever you decide to put on me, devil, I know it's a lie. Yes, I know it's a lie because Jesus already did what he did. He took my sicknesses and carried my diseases on the cross. So So live by faith. That's right. That's right. And that was a promise. That's a promise. It's already done. And Galatians tells us he defeated the enemy and made a show of him openly. That's right. Now, um, uh, oh, my. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Now, my wife said I was... um, Struggling with uh, feeling good. And she's a runner and I'm not, but she's trying to make me one. On my birthday, she signed me up for a four-mile obstacle course. Isn't that a wonderful wife? What a birthday present. So we were going to work out today because I said, well, I better start working out because I got to do this. <laughs> so, And I said, man, I'm so sore. My legs hurting. And she says, you're probably sore from inactivity, not overactivity. Do you know you can get as wore out doing nothing as you can doing a lot? That's right. There are people that sit around and do nothing. I'm just so tired. And you you done work 12 hours and you're ready to go. They ain't done nothing for three days and they're tired. You can get as wore out doing nothing as you can doing everything. So I would say get tired moving. Put your faith to work. Be yes. active in your faith. And I, I want to say something to the, to the seniors of the house. Your days aren't done. That's right. 
The Lord gave me a challenge to give our seniors, and I I ran it by uh, Marvin here. I said, you know, you might not be able, if we build a new building, to get out there and carry the lumber and actually do the physical work. But my God, you got a renewed mind. The Bible says you have a renewed mind. The Bible says you have a sound mind. The Bible says you have the mind of Christ. And the Bible says, let everything that hath breath, not two legs, two arms, two kidneys. You can be missing an arm sitting in a wheelchair and you still got breath. Let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. You can begin to be the spiritual power of the church and just say, Pastor, I'm going to come and get every senior to do an hour a day or 30 minutes a day and come in the church and declare that this is a house of the Lord. I declare sickness is not in this house. I declare that we're blessed and not cursed. I declare we're alive and not dead. You might not be able to do the physical work, but you can do a lot of spiritual damage That's right. in the kingdom of hell. So I want to encourage you, seniors, man, you've got a lot of wisdom. You've got a lot of testimonies. Begin to pray and speak over this house and do the work that maybe the younger people aren't there spiritually to do yet. Let them build the new stuff and you just keep on doing the spiritual work. Don't get tired from inactivity. Get tired from overactivity. I know a lot of people that do nothing that complain about just how tired and broke they are. But well, the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. Mm-hmm. See, that don't go over in our society because everybody's getting some, getting something. <laughs> getting something. My brother's a farmer, and the government will pay him more to destroy his crops than harvest his crops. And I helped him destroy 40-acre field. Well, I said, what are we destroying that? Well, they declared our county a drought, so they don't want us to harvest their corn. They're going to send us a check for more than I'd get for selling it. Now, that's a stupid way to do things. Even if you're unable to find a job, do something every day productive. Work for the Lord. Show up at the church. We have people every day. I met with two. The Lord, they're just coming by and working and volunteering. They're having trouble. But that don't mean they sit at home and gripe about it and do this. You can still be productive. Go out and save souls. Lay hands on the sick. Begin to come in and vacuum and clean and do that. And you'll begin to, your faith will begin to grow. See, people come and say, oh, I need more anointing. They come, they want some evangelists to lay hands. You don't need more anointing to come to church. If you want more anointing, you go and do the will of God and he'll give you much more anointing than you've ever seen because you'll be doing what he's called you to do. You don't need to come to say, I need more. I need more. Why do you need more to sit down again? If you go and do the work of the Lord, the anointing will follow you and you'll have so much of it. Amen. I'm sorry. I took took too long. How much more time we have? Did 10 more minutes be good with y'all? If you'll say 10 minutes, raise your hand. All right. All right. So that's about 200 minutes if we... (laughs) You know, I, I woke up this morning and the Lord was dealing me with what Pastor was talking about as far as the, the age uh, and, and faith. You know, it seems as though, you know, talking to believers and, and, and Christians and whatnot, it, it's almost as though, you know, when it comes to the young people, it's like, all right, well, I'm going through junior high, I'm going through high school, and but, but see, the thing is, is I can't do the work of the Lord, it's like, until I get to about 35 you know, 30 to 35-ish, you know, when I become an adult. But while I'm still a teen and all that, you know, I, I, I don't, you know, I, I can't do anything. So I Churches just kinda, won't let them do nothing. You know, I just kind of don't, you know, I don't, I don't get because, you know, I still have to have time to athletics and I got to, you know, cheerlead and I, I got to do this and that and all that stuff. 
So we, we, we push it off as a, as a youth until we get to about 35. And we think, okay, 35, I'm an adult. Now it's time to kind of get in with the Word of God. Then after that, we get in the Word of God. And then about after about retirement age or, or a little bit after that, we think, well, uh, I'm no longer effective. I, 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 I'm just going to retire and, you know, I'm going to, you know, just grandfather in. You know, just be grandfathered in. So I'm just going to coast and that kind of thing. And the Lord was like, well, see, that, that, that right there needs to stop. We miss half of our life. Because as a, as a young teenager, junior high, high uh, the Holy Spirit is in you just as powerful as the Holy Spirit is in the 50-year-old. It's the, it's, the, it's the same spirit. It's the same spirit. Now, yes, you can be the athlete. You can be cool. You can be whatever you want to be, an actor or whatever in school, get straight A's and all that stuff. But, see, the Lord wants to use you mightily in high school. He wants to use you mightily in junior high. You know, who's to say you can't have a healing ministry in high school? Who's to say that the ones that come off the short bus, if you will, who's to say they can't be healed through your hands? Come on, man. Who's to say the Holy Spirit won't work through you to heal somebody out of the wheelchair? To heal somebody off the crutches. Mark, you know, at our high school, keep that at, at Fort Defiance, and I ran from the Lord some, but I would get early and I'd pray over every locker in the high school every morning. And you know, out of my senior class, there are 12 full time pastors that I know of. Then you, you, you flip that over, and then you get to the, to the seniors. And as Pastor was saying, yes, you, you may not be able to do all the physical labor. But the anointing is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. You can lay hands on the sick and recover. You don't have to always be the one getting prayed over. You do the laying of the hands. The Holy Spirit wants to work through you. I don't care if you're 120 years old. The Holy Spirit wants to be active in your life so that you can have power come through you. Jesus said that signs and wonders shall follow the believer. He did not say signs and wonders will follow the believer through the age of 35 and 50. <laughs> if you are a believer, then and while you're here, signs and wonders shall follow you. Whether you're 12, 8, 6, or 56, 76, or 106, it doesn't matter. Are there any people here tonight, young or old, and you want to be prayed for tonight because you know there's a gift and calling in you? For God to use you. I don't care if you're 10 years old. I started when I was 12 in Elkton, Virginia, Faith Alive Fellowship, Pastor Donnie Meadows, who preached, first place ever preached. Uh, it was on a Sunday. I was 12 years old. And that was 31 uh, years ago. That, And thank God somebody gave me a chance and didn't say, well, you go teach children's church. I didn't have children's church anointing on me. No, nothing wrong if you do. Uh, nothing wrong. There are some, we got some youth in our church. They can't preach in the pulpit, but they're children's church. But my anointing, thank God they didn't just lump us in and say, well, you're too young. Because then we miss half our life. We miss the early years and we miss the latter years. So I'm getting ready to go back this week and meet with my seniors and challenge them. I want. We have prayer that goes five days a week. I'm going to ask them, can each one of y'all stop by and grab the microphone and use the power of God that's within you to begin to prophesy over this church, begin to declare 
care over this church. Use your spiritual wisdom, your spiritual authority. You're not forsaken. You're not forgotten. You are an untapped resource in most churches that we relinquish to spaghetti dinners and movie nights when they have got the power of God in them from generations and they've got foundational spirits that we need to honor and embrace and let them release. So anyway, so I want you to be thinking, we're going to start praying here in a few minutes. And I really want to pray for some of you young people and some of the old people about these gifts. I want to say a few things as we close, because it's going to take a while to pray. If the worship team wants to come and uh, I don't want to go so long because we'll be here tomorrow night and Bishop will be here Wednesday night. Sometimes we do this at our church. We call it a faith round table. We have four or five pastors and we just sit at a table. No praise and worship, nothing. We just talk faith and this and that. The last one went seven nights unadvertised. And every night, 100 to 200 people showed up. And we just talked faith. People's faith built and miracles just began to happen without even anybody touching anybody. Do you know when the disciples and apostles would preach, people would get baptized in the Holy Ghost and healed just by their shadow? They didn't have to call them out. and t- It was just there was so much of an atmosphere of faith and expectancy. Miracles just happened right as they began to preach the word. And see, I like to have that happen in church. It did happen in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Uh, a, a lady, the Lord had a word in, in a service like this, that there's a lady here missing a breast. I was like, Lord, I'm not saying that. No. And I said it. Three ladies went to a bathroom. We heard screaming coming down the back hall. Her breast grew back. She had a prosthetic in her bra. And the Lord gave a word. And just teaching faith, there was no great shouting going on. And, and I'm a shouter, but that day I wasn't. And her breast grew back. God can do anything. If he made it, he's got storerooms full of them. Come on now, if you need a leg or whatever. I mean, Smith Wigglesworth, he went by the guy without a shoe, no feet. And he said, why don't you have feet? And the Lord said, go buy him a pair of shoes. He said, well, I don't know what size. Just pick out the size of feet you want him to have. He went down there, and I believe the story was he got a pair of patent leather size 10s. He put them under the stubs of the wooden leg, and then feet grew into them shoes. And there were over a 100 and some witnesses that gave affidavits to him. Now, You know the story I think I shared. Some of you have callings to do great things. I was from divorced parents that went to Ramah. I thought it was going to be a paved road. Worked for Billy Joe Daughtry. Separated. Looked like I'd never attempted suicide twice. Born in a small town. We didn't even get our first stoplight till the 90s. God's taking me to the world. Doesn't matter where you're from or what you've been through. The same spirit is in you. You're a new creation. Remember in October of 2011, the Lord said, go to Panama City. Told you the story, but there's some new faces here. I had a vision of a man living in the jungle, the Darien Gap on the Colombian border. Across a river and up a river. I wrote the, the, the division down. It was an open vision in detail. I flew to Miami, Florida to our Compassion and Action headquarters. And I said, we got to go to Panama. The Lord said, we're going to build a church in the jungle. And we're going to meet a pastor. He'll be a black pastor. And he'll be up a river, across a river. And the guy looked at me, Davis, like, "Mm, wow, what? I said, you got to sign and date this because I feel this. I got to have proof that, that this is fact. So we had one phone number of a guy in Panama. Never met the guy. Had a phone number. Pastor uh, Missy L. 
the Lord just said, go to the airport. We didn't make hotel reservation, rental car reservation, nothing. The Lord just said, go to the airport and you'll meet the guy. So I told my wife, told the church, I'm flying to Panama. I'm not exactly sure what we're going to do, exactly when we come back, but I got to go wait at the airport. There's somebody that needs me. We call the guy. He gets there in about an hour. He brings somebody with him. It's a black guy. And everybody's kind of black down there. You know, they're olive skin, red, white, very few of me. But Missy L is Spanish, and this other guy was was darker and I was like oh this might be him and then I said well I don't I didn't know either of them we didn't even know what they looked like we just had to keep calling until we found each other I said who's this guy he said oh he's a guy that had a vision in October just a few weeks he said if he had come to the Panama City airport leave the jungle that God was sending a man that would build the church that he'd been believing for and we ran into each other, and then this past spring, we took a team of missionaries 65 miles up the river in canoes and with two gunboats from the Pan-American military because we had to sign death waivers and affidavits that we were risking our lives, that they wouldn't come get us if we were hostages. We, it took two or three months to get deep in the jungle where we were. But all I had was a vision and faith, and I was willing to spend $3,000 to go and just find out. And you know something? There's a church there today called the Missionary Temple in Boca de Coupe. Google Boca de Coupe, Cuba in the Darien Gap. And our team went there. So just because God tells you something big doesn't mean it can't happen. There are no immovable mountains with God, no impossible situations. I could tell you stories about Cuba. been there 20 sometimes. We were there the days the spies got caught in Miami, the Cuban spies in our military. And the Lord told me, it's time to go. I said, we're not leaving for three days. We're four hours from the airport. He said, leave today. We rushed to Havana. And, I mean, all crazy stuff broke out because we had found their spies. Now they were shutting everybody traveling. And if we hadn't gone that day, we would have been trapped there for up to three months. But the Holy Spirit said, leave. And it was a long story. And, I mean, those of you that know the story, we almost didn't get out with our lives on. And we had to be the marshals and the military fault force and all that. But if you listen to the Spirit, He'll make a genius out of you. The Holy Spirit will make you look like a genius. I have no college education other than Bible college. But the Holy Spirit will tell you how to to run a budget, how to be a genius. He'll show you. Give me closing words. Let's all stand. We are his workmanship, right? That's correct. You're his workmanship. That's correct. A masterpiece. masterpiece. People think the Mona Lisa is beautiful. I mean, that's one of the ugliest women I've ever seen in my life. You're a masterpiece, his workmanship. All God is has been downloaded into you. I have an Apple iPad. I download apps. It zips in 32 gigs. You know the whole nature of God when you got saved, it's been downloaded into you. And I have antivirus software. I have the word of God and I have the Holy Spirit. The voice of faith will announce the outcome in the middle of the trouble. Faithful work for anyone at any time. There are no such thing as immovable mountain or unanswerable prayer. The only unanswered prayer is the unasked prayer. There's no pressure on me to make it happen. The only pressure on me is to believe it can happen. I've learned to rest in my faith. I'm not trying to make anything else happen. Who are the missionaries going? You guys are going. And we added one. I I usurped the authority 
and I'm the pre vice president, so we got another one. When they said buy the land in San Juan, we had no money, but we bought it, and now there's a building because the act of faith to buy it moved the money from around the world to get to us. We didn't need the money till we had the land. So sometimes you got to take a step. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, I, I have to say this. Uh, I was, there was a time where I really hated my job. You know, I, I really did. And I was thinking of ways, you know, I was just driving down the, down the road, and, you know, just kind of thinking of ways that I might be able to, you know, maybe have, you know, a home-based business and, you know, just thinking of some things to, and uh, the Lord, I heard, you know, the Holy Spirit, soft voice. And he said, you know, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm, I'm, you know, trying to think of some things that I might be able to do, you know, maybe to kind of get out, you know, transition out of my job and that kind of thing. And he said, no, what, what you're doing is you're trying to provide for yourself. And I said, well, uh, okay. <laughs> and he said, now, that's my job. That's my job. He's Jehovah Jireh. And, you know, I say that because he told me, he said, now, now, see, the reason that you hate your job is because you're trying to do the work. The wrong, you're looking at it in the wrong direction. You're looking at it in the wrong angle. So that, so your faith in that aspect is, is, is not where it needs to be. See, the angle you're looking at it is from I've got to work here and make my own provision. But the real angle is you're there for the people. You're not there for the money. You're there for the people. And he instructed me and he told me, what I want you to do is I want you to go there 30 minutes early and I want you to just sit in the parking lot and I just want you to pray over the company. Come on. Because you're not there to make money. I got that covered. Forget about that. Just forget about that. You're there for the people. Think about that because if we I all did that. each and every person in there. That's who you're there for. So when I begin to do that, my whole attitude begin to change. Because as I'm going in there, I'm starting to see it from God's perspective. You're his workmanship. And my faith began to build and begin to build as I'm seeing God moving in people's lives that, that I'm praying for. Mm. I mean, they don't know. But, I mean, they, we got a long way to go. But God can move just like that. I mean, I, you know, I'm not trying to... Go know. in your workplace and be his workmanship. That's it. Every one of you can reach thousands of people a year. That's it. Now, you've brought things up here to be prayed over. Tomorrow night, we're going to preach. It's going to be a normal service. And if you want to hear a good thing, I think it is good. But until you find and kill the thief, you're going to keep being robbed. We're going to look at how we battle thieves in the natural and how weak we are at battling them in the spiritual. We'll arm our homes, get dogs, guns, but we'll let the enemy come in and rob our health and all that. We don't put no alarm system up, no warning. Don't just keep letting him do it. Now, people have brought prescription medication. There are so many people that have to take prescription medication. Some people abuse it. There's wedding rings. There's nicotine. But, you know, we don't say anything to the people in church that are addicted to caffeine. We just say, oh, that's a smoker. They can't do nothing in the church. How about the one that's got to have 10 cups of coffee? They're addicted to a drug, too. Food. 
our food. The Bible talks about gluttony, but we give those people that can go to the buffet three times, uh, we give them a church bath. Man, did you see how many chickens they had? And the Bible says it's no different than adultery and all that. So there's, there's things we got to line up with the word of God. Amen. And we got to walk by faith. And so all these are not needs. These things represent faith. There are pictures of unsaved relatives here. There's checkbooks. There's, uh, if you have trouble sleeping, bring your pillow tomorrow night and we'll anoint it. That that spirit of insomnia will go. If you're trying to sell your house, I've said it three times. There's somebody here that's got a for sale sign in your yard and it needs to be here tomorrow night. And we're going to anoint that thing that it becomes the most visible sign that people see it that weren't even looking for it. God will move heaven and earth for your faith. Do you know need does not move God? Faith moves God. Need does not move God. Need does nothing to God. Faith moves God. You got to have faith in the middle of your need and then your faith will eradicate your need. I want to ask if everybody will just leave your seat and come to the altar.